thousands of people have mysteriously vanished in America's wilderness. Join us as we dive into the deep end of the unexplainable and try to piece together what happened. You are listening to Locations Unknown. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Locations Unknown. I'm your co-host, Joe Irado, and with me, as always, is a man who never gets caught between a rock and a hard place, <laughs> Mike Vandebogart. Uh, thank you, Joe, and thank you once again to everyone who's tuned in. Uh, not a lot of updates this month, or uh, episode. We're just going to give some quick Patreon shout-outs. So, uh, Sarah Smith, Jen uh, Cologne, Margaret uh, DiBartolomo. I think I got that right. <laughs> and uh, D. Bartolomo. Yeah. And uh, Patrick Jesse, who's actually an old college friend. So thanks hey, for uh, Patrick Jesse. How's supporting the show. And we also have two new uh, YouTube member shout outs. So we have uh, Catherine Sitowski and just a user goes by the name SR. So uh, thank you for supporting us on YouTube. And then before we jump into this, we just got a quick it's sponsor. A, thank you, Catherine and Sir. Sir. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I'm just going to, uh, we got a quick sponsor this week for the episode. So our sponsor is a uh, bastion. It's the first open source, uh, censorship resistant social network protocol based on decentralized blockchain technology. That's a mouthful. Um, say that 10 times. Fast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's powered by a cryptocurrency called P to reward creators and contributors. Bastion has no corporation or centralized servers and is moderated by the community and governed by transparent rules uh, equally applied to all users. To learn more about the future of social media, visit bastion.com. That's B-A-S-T-Y-O-N.com. Um, and just like always, if you want to help the show out, you can always go over to our Patreon page and sign up. There's extra episodes some cool swag that we give away and, um, you know, updates from us and things like that. And a similar kind of thing we have going on now is at YouTube called YouTube memberships. So check those out. And also you can purchase some swag on our website and Facebook store. So uh, anything else, Joe? Nope, that's it. All right, everybody, let's gear up and get out to explore locations unknown. Atlantis. Mentioned by Plato in his early works, it has been a mystery ever since. Is it a fictional island for stories passed on generation to generation, or was it truly a thriving city connecting the known world through trade? This week, we will explore some of those theories on the lost city of Atlantis. So, uh, Joe, I, I'm always, <clears throat> I've always said that I'm a big history buff, and I love uh, Greek mythology. And I had kind of forgotten the actual story of Atlantis. It was lost on you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was lost on me. And uh, <laughs> doing the research for this episode, I kind of got reacquainted with the, uh, the story around Atlantis. And it, it's just, it's, it's pretty fun to read. And, uh, you know, is it true? Is it not? We'll, we'll get to the bottom of it today. But, uh, wow, pun intended. <laughs> going to get to the bottom of the lost city of Atlantis. Exactly. So <laughs> the story of Atlantis first appears around 360 BC in two of Plato's dialogues called uh, Timaeus and uh, Critias. 
Hopefully, I didn't butcher those. <laughs> you definitely um, did. How, how is it said? Oh, I don't know how it's said, but I know you butchered it. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, the name Atlantis actually is derived from the ancient Greek term for Island of Atlas. So, uh, Plato's dialogues, you know, the origins of Atlantis uh, go back even farther. So, in Plato's dialogues, he says that he heard a story of Atlantis from his grandfather, who had heard a story from the uh, Athenian statesman Salon 300 years before Plato's time, and he had learned it from an Egyptian priest who said it happened over 9,000 years before that. So we're talking very far back in time. The Egyptian priest also mentioned that 9,000 years ago before the birth of the Athenian lawgiver, Atlantis was a rich nation and boasted uh, you know, many powerful princes, and we'll kind of get into that. So going to go through kind of the history and origin of Atlantis, and then we'll get into um, kind of where people think it might be, and then some pretty crazy theories about it, and then uh, we can kind of discuss those theories and what we think's real and what's fake. And <laughs> All right, let's see if we can get Google to tell us how to say that word first. Okay, Joe Critias. is going to... Ready? Critias. 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 I said it right. You said Critias. Critias. <laughs> Critias. Critias. All right. So Critias. I so, love that feature. Um, according to ancient Greek literature, when the land was divided by the gods and distributed among them, Atlantis was given to Poseidon, the god of sea, earthquakes, storms, and horses. Uh, in his dialogues, Plato describes Atlantis as a utopian civilization created by half-human, half-gods. Plato portrayed Atlantis as playing host to a powerful and progressive society. However, many have noted that Plato, uh, in his writings, was actually, he didn't portray Atlantis as a perfect society, but in fact, the embodiment of material, uh, materiality, wealth, uh, technologically advanced, uh, very powerful military, uh, a nation like that that became corrupted by wealth, sophistication, and might. So probably a lot of parallels to you know countries that have come since then. Mm -hmm. So after some time, you know, Poseidon got Atlantis, he fell in love with a mortal woman named, uh, what do you think that is, Joe? Cleido? All right, hold on. I'm going to see where you're We're going to look it up. Yep. Uh, so uh, they gave birth, or she gave birth to five pairs of twins, uh, all, all of them who were boys. The eldest of these, Atlas, was the rightful king of the entire island and the oceans and was named, its, and was named his first ruler. All right, here we go. Clayto. 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 So I got that one wrong too. I'm 0 for 2. <laughs> uh, so like I said, Atlas was the oldest son, and he was the rightful king of uh, uh, rightful king of the city. And this is an interesting fact. I had to look this up. Contrary to what you might think, the Atlantic Ocean was not named after the king of Atlantis, but after the son of Titan who was already who was also called Atlas. So if you remember Titan, he's the guy that's holding the big the world up on his shoulders. Mm -hmm. uh, he was ordered by Zeus to uphold the weight of the heavens upon his shoulders as a punishment into eternity. So the Greeks saw the Strait of Gibal <laughs> Gibraltar. I'm really Gibraltar. To, Gibraltar. Man, <laughs> 0 for 3. I'll keep a tally the whole episode. Um so they saw this strait and it was a narrow channel and they say the Rock of Gibraltar, and uh, supposed the channel had been created by Atlas himself. Uh, this is also why the mountains in Western Africa are called the Atlas Mountains. In fact, Plato is said to have named Atlantis after the Atlantic Ocean, which had already been mentioned in the writings of the histories of Herodotus, uh, which was written around 450 B.C. So... Joe's going to look that up, too. I'm, I'm looking up all the names that you say. Herodotus. Gosh. Herodotus. <laughs> oh, for four. And you want to do more episodes on Greek mythology? This is going to be the best. Maybe not. No, we're totally doing it because that's going to be part of it. Oh, I'm going to so... learn all the right ones and then just make you guess at them. See, <laughs> we'll, we'll keep a tally to see how many Greek, Greek names you can get properly. So, uh, like we said, Poseidon had five pairs of twins who were all, all males, and... Uh, his brothers were given various parts of lands around Atlantis. 
Uh, these princes conquered many of the lands surrounding the Mediterranean. Their armies would eventually conquer uh, Africa as far east as Egypt and Europe uh, as far as uh, the Etruscan Italy, which I probably got wrong, uh, before being driven back. Um, these raids, they would plunder and pillage, and this continued until they were defeated by the combined force of people of Athens and their allies. And after this defeat, the people of Atlantis became kind of wicked and, uh, you know, they kind of, the whole place fell into despair. And because of this, the gods grew increasingly unhappy with the vanity, greed, and corruption dominating the society of Atlantis. In an effort led by Zeus, the Greek gods sunk Atlantis as punishment for its aggression, hubris, and misbehavior. So that is kind of a... Cliff Notes version of Atlantis, the history of it, as told by Plato. Sure. Um, Joe is going to go into a little bit, so it's really interesting. These two dialogues by Plato were by far none, not any of his like major works, but this story of Atlantis has survived for thousands of years. Well, it's an interesting story, like this technologically advanced city that was smited by the gods and yeah. sunk into the ocean, so... It's lost. It could be found. The ocean's really vast. And yeah. It's, it's a neat thing. So Joe is kind of going to go into a little bit of the history of how this story has managed to stick around for thousands of years. Um, it's pretty interesting, and um, I didn't know any of this before researching this episode. Yeah, that's that's what we talked about a little before <clears throat> the show is like, do you know Atlantis? Everyone will say yes. Yeah. Like, so, like, I know about Atlantis, but I also don't know about Atlantis. When yes. you really start I looking into it. I know it's lost. Exactly. Like, <laughs> you know, like, the tales, and there's a bunch of different versions of it, but you don't know, like, the official, like, historical version of it. Yeah. So, this source, the historic city of Plato's tale was controversial even in ancient times. So, his follower, uh, Cranter, is said to have believed that the city was real. Yeah. While Strabo, which wrote a few centuries late in his writings a few centuries later, records Aristotle's joke about Plato's <laughs> ability to conjure nations out of thin air, then destroy them. So in the first centuries of the Christian era, Aristotle was taken at his word and Atlantis was little discussed. In 1627, the English philosopher and scientist Francis Bacon published a utopian novel titled The New Atlantis. This depicted, like uh, Plato before him, a politically and scientifically advanced society on a previously unknown oceanic island. In 1882, former U.S. Congressman Ignatius L. Donnelly published Atlantis, the Antel... Oh, geez, I can't do that one. Antel de Vuvian. Yep, you got me. I'm going <laughs> I'm to do this one live. Let's see here. Antediluvian. Antediluvian. I almost... It's ant, the Antediluvian world. That's why the book didn't sell. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, what's that title? We're going to get a different Atlantis book, right? which touched off a frenzy of works attempting to locate and learn from historical Atlantis. So apparently it did sell. Uh, Donnelly hypothesized an ancient uh, advanced civilization whose immigrants had populated much of ancient Europe, Africa, and the Americas, and whose heroes had inspired Greek, Hindu, and Scandinavian mythology. Donnelly's theories were popularized and elaborated by turn-of-the-20th-century uh, thesophysicists, and are often incorporated into contemporary New Age beliefs. From time to time, archaeologists and historians locate evidence, a swampy prehistoric city in coastal Spain, a suspicious undersea rock formation in the Bahamas that might be a source of the Atlantic story, Atlantis story. The story of Atlantis, if Plato did not invent it, may in fact reflect ancient Egyptian records of a volcanic eruption on the island of Thera about, at about 1500 BCE. This eruption was one of the most stupendous of historical times. It was accompanied by a series of earthquakes and tsunamis that shattered civilizations on Crete and the Minoan, uh, thereby perhaps giving rise to the legend of Atlantis. <laughs> I think I got some of those right. I think you did pretty good. <laughs> I did pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see when people call the number and tell us. Don't write us. Call yes. the number. <laughs> So, the city of Atlantis. Legend has it that the city of Atlantis was built by Poseidon, the god of storms, sea, and earthquakes. Poseidon had fallen in love with the mortal woman named Clichio. For Clichio's safety, the palace was constructed on top of a hill on an island in the middle of the sea. The palace was kept completely isolated. 
the city of Atlantis was surrounded by many rings of land and water. The myth suggests that it was surrounded by five rings of water. There were five tunnels that connected the water to the nearby land. A huge canal was also constructed to connect the concentric rings of water to the sea. These canals were massive in size and could accommodate ships. Each route to the city was heavily guarded. Towers and gates were built for protecting the city. Tall walls surrounded the rings of water. These massive walls were built using rocks of black, white, and red. These walls were also adorned with precious stones and metals, including bronze and tin. At the center of the city was a temple to Poseidon, which was faced with silver in its entirety and given a roof of ivory. Crazy temple. That is a crazy temple. <laughs> an entire ivory roof. Yeah. The whole complex was then surrounded by a wall of pure gold and decorated with golden statues. The city had fountains of hot and cold water, bathhouses, gymnasias, a horse racing track, and a huge fleet of warships. The population was enormous, and the army could feel the force of 10,000 chariots. Religious practices are then described, and these involve the chasing and sacrifice of bulls. The Atlantis myth suggests that there's massive statue. There's a massive statue of Poseidon made out of gold and was built at the center of the city and stood atop the temple. The statue resembles Poseidon riding a chariot carried by winged horses. So <clears throat> I kind of get the description that uh, Atlantis remind me a lot of like ancient Rome. Yeah. Obviously, Plato wrote it. Yeah, borrowed from the features, if anything. Yeah, and I mean, uh, you know, Plato obviously wrote this in 340 BC, which, uh, you know, knowing my history, obviously Rome was in existence, but I don't know that they had hit their 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 pinnacle of a you know a society yet by that time. But yeah, I mean, it's a it's a pretty uh, it it sounds like a a crazy mid you know a prehistoric city. Um, is it to say things like that couldn't have been built in this time? I mean, look at the pyramids. Yeah. They were built before this. Um, so yeah, with enough time and effort. Yeah. And I mean, obviously if this is all a fantasy, you know, Plato obviously got inspiration from probably present day cities of his time. Oh, absolutely. So interesting. All right. So we're going to talk a little bit about the people of Atlantis as it was written about. So the people of Atlantis lived well. They domesticated animals, irrigated crops, and the cities were built with harbors and fine temples, bridges, and canals with walls and gates uh, that were constructed to join the rings around the sea. And from everything I read um, about Plato's writings on Atlantis, uh, it was the people of Atlantis would, a a modern-day parallel would be like the elites of our society. I feel like a lot of the people of Atlantis, you know, were well-off, you know, materialistic. Well, if you think about it, it was described like almost like a trading hub. Yeah. So if you have all the goods of, if you're truly connecting the Americas, Europe, Africa, you're the hub of all that, there's going to be a lot of wealth traveling back and forth and whatever fees they charge or whatever to keep that going. Yeah. I can imagine that it was a very wealthy society. Yeah, so uh, um, very wealthy society. Now, I'm going to go into a little bit of... uh, where the lost city of Atlantis was according to Plato's writings before we get into where people theorize it could be. So I'm going to throw up Google Earth for those watching, so we'll do that live. So uh, Plato's writings describe a large continent bigger than the combined land area of Asia Minor and the country of Libya. In his time, he was referring, you know, in his time, he was referring to the modern-day northern Africa and over half of Turkey, so a pretty large landmass. Now, this is, uh, he described a location. This is exactly how he described it. For the ocean, there was at that time navigable for in front of the mouth, which you Greeks call, as you say, the Pillars of Hercules. There lay an island which was larger than Libya and Asia together. So basically, as I mentioned earlier, he described a location in the Atlantic Ocean beyond the Pillars of Hercules, which was the Straits of Gibraltar at the mouth of the Mediterranean. He would go on to say that travelers in that age would have to cross Atlantis in order to reach the other islands. Uh, Plato described Atlantis as an island consisting of mostly mountains in the northern portions. It had a great plain in an oblong shape in the south that encompassed the island, um, and it was spread between 555 kilometers long and 370 kilometers wide. 
So if you can imagine, I typed in Lost City of Atlantis. I did not get any results. So I was hoping <laughs> that we would have just discovered it right here with Google, but it right. didn't work. It's not there. Nope, <laughs> not there. Um, so the city of Atlantis itself sat just outside the outer ring of water and spread across the plain, uh, covering a circle of 17 kilometers. This was also a densely populated area where a majority of the population lived. So that's kind of how uh, Plato described the the location of Atlantis. So now we're going to go into you know some modern theories about where people actually think it is. Um, so according to some people, the island of Atlantis was located somewhere in the vast Mediterranean Sea. It is believed by them that Atlantis was similar in size to that of the Greek island of uh, Crete, the largest island of the nation of Greece. Though Atlantis is believed to be a giant city, the exact size is obviously not mentioned anywhere. Uh, according to some others, the island of Atlantis is a as large as continental area of Eurasia. So, um, That wouldn't fit in here. No, right? <laughs> I have the Mediterranean Sea pulled up. There's no room. No, it's, <laughs> it's not that big. Um, so, you know, take it with a grain of salt because they say, you know, however, all the estimates regarding the size of Atlantis come from many assumptions and the theories. The exact location is obviously not known. Scientists are now almost sure that Atlantis can be traced near uh, Cadiz. This place is located in between the waters of Morocco and Spain. So I think that term scientist is used very loosely uh, because I think most legitimate scholars agree that this was a fictional tale by Plato. (gasps) (laughs) What? (laughs) So we're going to get into a couple of the main locations people think that Atlantis could be. Uh, The first one is the Azores. So Plato is Plato quoted an Egyptian priest who believed that Atlantis fought a war with the ancient Mediterraneans and then sank in 9,400 BC. Because Atlantis was said to be a large island in the Atlantic Ocean that surrounds the continents, it was thought to be in the mid-Atlantic. Atlantis was said to have colonized uh, much of the world and fought a war with Greece and in the eastern Mediterranean. The sinking of Atlantis left only a few scattered islands, islands such as the Azores, some believe. So I think Joe has the Azores pulled up. And this is, um, now I want to go on record here. I believe that it's possible that Atlantis did exist. And um, I won't go too deep into the theory, but I look at it as like it was probably just a normal Greek city that was in a good location for trade, and something happened and it flooded. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it was like they had like modern technology and computers. I know some people (laughs) are like, oh, they were super advanced and had all this technology, and then it was lost forever. I think it was probably just a normal Greek city somewhere, and it got flooded if it's real. Yeah. Which makes it more realistic. And to be honest... After reading a little bit, like I would look at the Azores as a potential because look at, imagine, see this big, and for those listening, I'm kind of outlining, you see the tops of the Azores mountains. Arguably, I could say that's the tips of big mountains that are now underwater. Yeah. And you look at this whole little mass that's kind of below the ocean. What if this was all land? This, yeah, would be a, be. this would be a rather large continent right here. Look at this. That would be the size of like a little bit smaller than Spain, maybe yeah. the same size as Spain. If it wasn't underwater. So I, I kind of stick to that one. And this is just kind of what's left. These peaks of these mountains that were able to go on the Azores Islands. Should we call the people who dish out Nobel Prizes for your discovery? Um, <laughs> not just yet. I have some more Google searching to do. Like at least 20 more minutes of Google searches. And then I'll probably be ready. I'm just kidding. Oh. Um, so... Joe, you know, if you're, if you're watching the stream, Joe does... Uh, you make some compelling arguments that maybe the Azores are the location for Atlantis. Uh, another location that comes up quite frequently when you research the lost city of Atlantis is the Sahara. So the Sahara Desert, and more specifically the uh, Tassili and uh, Hagar Mountains, apologize for getting that wrong, in southern Algeria, Tunisia, or both has been proposed as the actual site of Atlantis. When the French colonized North Africa, they soon discovered that a lost world existed in southern Algeria, and then the ancient harbor of Carthage was 
an exact miniature of the capital of Atlantis described by the Egyptian priests. So, uh, oh, so saying like an existing city matched the description. Yeah, in that area. What was the name of that again? I'll, I'll so uh, they thought it existed in southern Algeria, and that the ancient harbor of Carthage was an exact miniature of the capital of Atlantis described by the Egyptian priest. <clears throat> Carthage? Carthage. And that's southern? Algeria? Well, Car- Carthage, they would have had a, it was like a, a country back then. Oh, okay. And that was southern Algeria, though? Uh, southern Algeria is where some think Atlantis was. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you can search for an ancient harbor of Carthage, but... Um, well, let's see. <laughs> so, you know, that is another... Um, Another possibility, and I mean, <clears throat> throughout history, obviously... Uh, it wants me to go to a harbor freight and tools near Carthage. <laughs> so, Never mind. Yeah. No. Um, well, I bet we'll be able to find that. That's probably not lost. But, uh, you know, this... This is harder to believe. It's harder to believe, but at some point, you know, the Sahara was not a desert. I mean, you look at the, the southern... Yeah, but the story is about it being surrounded by water. Now, yeah. I know that... Like in the southern the U.S. The world looked different. The southwest yeah. part of the U.S. back during the dinosaur age, uh, there was a large inland sea there. Because you can, you can go hiking in places like Utah and Arizona and find fossilized shells yeah. and like sea life. Like it was clearly ocean. Yeah. And the, obviously the world was much warmer back then. There were, um, you know, places that are deserts now were much more green and lush. Um, so I don't know. Could there be a city buried under all that sand? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. It's starting to sound like, uh, <laughs> could there be a city underneath the sand? <laughs> William Shatner. William Shatner, our buddy the William. Shatman. Our good friend. Our good friend, William Shatner. <laughs> uh, so moving on to the next location, we're heading to Malta. How many of you listening know where that is? Raise your hands. <laughs> um, uh, it's a country in Europe. Yes. Is it? Yes, it is. I, I, that's all I knew. <laughs> uh, it's below Sicily. It's an island below Sicily. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I knew that. I knew that. <laughs> uh, so Malta has uh, huge ancient structures that are now dated at 9,000 years or older and are said to be, uh, are said, and sorry about this. My notes are failing me. Uh, and are said by Orthodox archaeologists to be the oldest stone ruins in the world. Apologize for my... Uh, it's been a long day. Uh, <laughs> so Malta is now home, uh, is now a small rocky island, but it once had elephants and shows evidence of having uh, been destroyed in a huge cataclysmic wave. The island is far too small to have been Atlantis, but it shows that the Mediterranean was a very different place 12,000 years ago. So, uh, a couple of theories that <clears throat> I'm going to touch on later on, we'll understand why there have been in in the past some you know tsunamis in the Mediterranean. So it it actually has happened. So that could have been something that happened to Atlantis. Um, the next the next place we're going to head to is uh, South America. So due to the gigantic ruins in Peru and Bolivia, and the evidence that uh, <clears throat> these civilizations were destroyed in a cataclysm. Uh, South America has been proposed as a site of Atlantis by a number of early writers. South America does have uh, South America does have huge ruins and is across the Atlantic, but it seems to have risen from the sea level rather than sinking into the ocean. So this might be more wishful thinking, but um, yeah, I can't see how that would connect any of. Europe or where most civilization was at the time. I mean, there were some huge civilizations in South America that um, died off. Yeah. But I think I think they're just equating it to that there's a lot of ruins that they found there, so they're just like, hey, let's say Atlantis might have been here. <laughs> <laughs> um, another theory is Atlantis was in the North Sea. So recently, a researcher, Paul uh, Dunbavin, proposed that the Citadel of Atlantis was located underwater between Wales and Ireland, this area being the Plain of Atlantis, as described by Plato. Major Dutch cities like Amsterdam and Rotterdam 
are 50 are 40 feet or more below sea level already. They may very well be the sunken cities of the near future. So, um, maybe Atlantis was really, uh, just right in this space here. Yeah. And then uh, sunk by the colors. It's shallow, <laughs> you know, cause the darker it gets the deeper. This whole thing seems pretty flat. Yeah. So like that could have been all connected land and, and just sunk. Yep. So, Another crazy theory. Uh, and finally, we're going to get into um, a location that I actually, out of all these locations we've talked about, I find this next one maybe the most plausible only because of how hard it is to determine uh, what's under it. Where do you think I'm going? Bermuda Triangle? No. That's one of our theories. Antarctica. Ooh. <laughs> so... Uh, to, as the theory goes, Atlantis was actually a uh, a much more temperate version of what is now Antarctica. It's based on the work of Charles Hepgood, whose 1958 book Earth's Shifting Crust uh, featured a foreword by Albert Einstein. According to Hepgood, around 12,000 years ago, uh, Earth's crust shifted, displacing the continent that became Antarctica from a location much further north than it is today. This more temperate uh, continent was home to an advanced civilization, but the sudden shift to its current frigid location doomed the civilization and its inhabitants, uh, the Atlanteans, and their magnificent city was buried under layers of ice. Now, here's the grain of salt. Hapgood's theory surfaced before the scientific world gained a full understanding of plate tectonics, which largely relegated his shifting crust idea to the fringes of Atlantean beliefs. So... Got your hopes up, and then I dashed them right away. But I do wonder. That's assuming the Earth's actually a sphere <laughs> and not flat, oh, right? Right? Does that play into this? <laughs> no. Unfortunately, I don't have any flat Earth theories for Atlantis. But One of my favorite tweets on that was the Flat Earthers had a tweet where they said, Flat Earther Society has followers all around the world. And someone tweeted back, say that again, but slower. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they said something about all around the world or all around the globe or something like that. Oops. And they're like, all right, say it, repeat it, but slower. I do find Antarctica fascinating. Agree. Um, you just wonder what is under that ice. Because mm-hmm. some of the, now I, I don't know the exact depth. We should get Mr. Beast to get a bunch of people with blowtorches to melt the ice. Mr. Beast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I just wonder, you know what? Seems like a video he would do. We're going to get 20 million torches and melt Antarctica. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to wonder, because I've read that it, at some points in history, it's been lush and green. What's under there? I don't know. Well, fossils <laughs> of lush and green plants. Um, so those are kind of, that kind of rounds out the more plausible theory slash locations um, about Atlantis. Now, I'm going to get into some very crazy theories, the stuff I like. Um, so it, it's funny. We're we're talking about a probably fictional city, and now we have crazy theories about what happened <laughs> to that probably fictional city. That actually just makes sense. <laughs> so uh, the first theory, obviously, is extraterrestrial aliens. Oh, um, oh, that's got to be it. It's number one. Number one. <laughs> uh, so stories claim that the original inhabitants of the lost city of Atlantis are believed to be of extraterrestrial origin who reached there about 50,000 years, years ago from the Lyrian star system. Despite being much taller and fairer than today's average human being, the average lifespan of these people is believed to be 800 years, making them very robust and strong prototype for the existence of uh, of you know, for the existing human race. So, could Atlantis have been a alien outpost, and they mated with, you know, humans, humans, or yeah, you know, uh, Neanderthal, and the other. That would explain uh, Greek mythology of the gods coming down from the heavens and then being falling huge. in love with humans and yeah. being different. And somewhat like omni omnipotent, and then they would create monuments <laughs> to them. So I think that's like a whole ancient aliens episode. Yeah, I think it's it's uh, plausible. So. Yeah. 
So slightly plausible. Um, if uh, if that theory wasn't crazy enough, my next theory is Mars. <laughs> so try to wrap your head around this one. Can I, can so, I even can I even go to Mars on here? Let's see. I think yeah. I think let's see. If, I think it does let you do that. No, it's gonna like find. Oh, it's gonna. Never mind. <laughs> it's going to like Mars resorts. There actually is a resort near where I grew up called Mars. That's where I think it wanted me to go. Yeah. Um, so is is some claim that the lost city of Atlantis was on Mars or was just a colony of an alien civilization? The inhabitants of Atlantis are believed to have the pos- uh, believed to possess exceptional powers, such as the ability to control weather and modify volcanic eruptions. Uh, some accounts also mention their possession of some sort of device that allowed them to channel energy from time and space. So basically what I'm getting at here is they think the people that lived in Atlantis could have been Martians. Okay. That had the ability to harm it, harness space and time itself. So that's a pretty wild theory. Uh, next theory involves the Bermuda Triangle, which we did a whole episode on a while back. <coughs> yeah, I'm already looking at it. <coughs> Check it out. Yep, seems a little weird. <laughs> um, so, inspired by Donnelly, many later uh, writers expanded on his theories uh, and added their own speculation as to where Atlantis may have been. One of these writers was Charles uh, Berlitz, grandson of the founder of the well-known language schools and author of many books on paranormal, paranormal phenomena. In the 70s, uh, Berlitz claimed that Atlantis was a real continent located off the Bahamas that had fallen victim to the notorious Bermuda Triangle, a region of the Atlantic where uh, a number of ships and suppo- have supposedly disappeared under mysterious circumstances. Supporters of this theory point to the discovery of what looks like man-made walls and streets found off the coast of Bimini, although scientists have evaluated these structures and found them to be natural beach rock formations, or that's what they want you to think. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's what they want us to think. Yeah. Here's Bimini right here. So that's a pretty tiny island. It's pretty tiny, and I just I feel like it's so far away from, you know, where is the story, story being told? The Straits All of the way over here. Yeah, the Straits of uh, Gibraltar. Yeah, that's. So. I mean, that's a long way. It's a long way, but the Bermuda Triangle is pretty crazy. Yep, it could have done it. I mean, it could have. It could have like took it from over there. Yeah, and like transported it over here. Well, there were times. It could be. A, yeah, exactly. In, could yeah, be a gateway. Could, could be the gateway. So, um, the next couple of theories I have are actually more plausible. Uh, than extraterrestrials or Martians or time warps in Bermuda. So the first theory was... I don't um, think anything's more plausible than any of those things. <laughs> uh, so people actually wonder if this was a recount of the Black Sea floods. This is something I had never heard of before. Okay. Uh, so the theory presumes that Atlantis itself was fictional, but the story of its demise was inspired by an actual historical event the breaching of Bosporus uh, by the Mediterranean Sea and subsequent flooding of the Black Sea around 5600 BC. At the time, the Black Sea was a freshwater lake half its current size. The flooding inundated civilizations known to flourish along its shores with hundreds of feet of seawater in a short period of time, perhaps less than a year. Uh, As inhabitants of the region scattered, they spread tales of the deluge and may have led thousands of years later to Plato's recount of Atlantis. Um, so that's a very interesting theory that I find very plausible. It's saying that Atlantis is a fictional city, but Plato based his whole story on the flooding of the Black Sea. Okay, so like he may have renamed the city, but it could have been like... Yeah. I always look at these maps, like these shallow areas. Like, imagine that is exposed land, and this is actually what the Black Sea was. Then yeah. all that flooding happened and pushed it, and now here's the new border. Yep. So, I mean, you're just settling on the new border, but there would have been cities here, 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 like along the shore. Yeah. And that's really cool to see that, because that that's probably where those civilizations lived in 5600 BC before it flooded. I wonder how much, like how much excavation and research is done 
in like the Black Sea. If they're like going where they might think cities might exist and look for artifacts at the bottom of the I would sea. guess that they've done a ton, but they probably haven't found everything. Yeah. Um, the, the next story is similar in vain to uh, the Black Sea flood. Um, again, I think this might be another plausible theory behind it, Atlantis if you, you think it's real. So uh, people wonder if Atlantis is the story of the Minoan civilization, which Joe touched on uh, briefly earlier in the episode. So one of the more recent uh, Atlantean theories concerns the civilization that flourished on the Greek islands of Crete and Thera, now a Saturini, more than 4,000 years ago. The Minoans, named for the legendary king Minos, believed to be Europe's first great civilization, the Minoans built splendid palaces, constructed paved roads, and were the first Europeans to use a written language, a language called Linear A, which I have no idea what it is. Um, at the height of their power, however, the Minoans suddenly disappeared from history, an enduring mystery that has fueled the belief in a link between the great doomed civilization and Plato's Atlantis. Historians, oops, lost my place. <laughs> um, historians believe around 1600 BC, a massive earthquake shook the volcanic island of Thera, triggering an eruption that spewed 10 million tons of rock, ash, and gas into the atmosphere. The tsunamis that followed the eruption were large enough to wipe out the Minoan cities throughout the region, a devastation that may have uh, made that civilization vulnerable to invaders from the Greek mainland. So I think that is a very plausible idea of what potentially happened um, to the city of Atlantis. Sure. You know, Plato maybe uh, was telling the story of the Minoans, but changed all the names. Um, so interesting theory. Uh, I got one more theory. This one's probably the most plausible. <laughs> uh, and it was, it never existed and was made up. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so most historians and scientists throughout history have come to the conclusion that Plato's account of the lost kingdom of Atlantis was obviously fictional. According to this argument, the Greek philosopher invented Atlantis as his vision of an ideal civilization and intended the story of its demise to be a cautionary tale of the gods punishing humans. No written records of Atlantis exist outside of Plato's dialogue, dialogues, including in any of the numerous other texts that have survived from ancient Greece. Furthermore, despite the modern advances in oceanography and ocean floor mapping, no trace of such a sunken civilization has ever been found. So, mm. after all of that, Joe, what what do you think? What first do you think Atlantis is real or fake? So, it, I'd like to think it's real, but just as a normal trade city. Yeah. Like, nothing special about it. Um, I really believe that if, if it's real, uh, I like the idea of it being where the Azores were. I okay. feel like that's a good spot. I'll, I'll zoom into that again. Uh, just because it seems like it had, it was like a mountainous area that potentially got covered. Yeah. You know, there's not perfect eccentric circles surrounding a certain area that's like, oh, yeah, look at There's like a bunch of circles and they're all underwater. Yeah. But it's a, it's a great spot for trade. If you really zoom out here, like it's in the middle between the Americas, Africa. It's like a perfect spot. Like if you're going to have a great spot for trade, that's going to be it. Yeah. And the one one thing I like to think of is when they talk about these major cataclysmic events. Yeah. Um, I know one of the ideas being pushed recently is called the Younger Dryas Impact Hypothesis. So you said before I asked, you've never heard of this? I've heard of it. I've heard the Randall name. Randall Carlson talks about it a lot. Yeah, I, I'm very, very not familiar with it. I know of the name. So the idea is that when all of North America is covered by, so if you're yeah. watching the stream, you know, up to like heat, like down to here along yeah. this line was like a mile thick of ice, like just tons of ice. And the okay. idea is that there was a major meteoratic or like comet or meteor body impacted somewhere in Northern America, right on the ice. So when yeah. they talk about these features in you know arizona new mexico texas that look like almost when you go to the beach and you dump a bucket of water in the sand and it rushes down yeah like it kind of looks like that 
And the idea is that this stuff wasn't carved over thousands of years. It was a short period of time of a huge deluge of water that was just unimaginably big. Yeah. And what would cause that? And they, they look at a potential that there's a giant impact into the ice, which would instantly flash melt the stuff. Yeah. So big, potentially cause earthquakes around the world. Uh-huh. Uh, that would cause all this stuff to happen. So if you have a major, major cataclysmic event happen like that, yeah, uh, it would send tsunami waves everywhere. So if you're in an island right here in the middle of the North Atlantic Gone. Ocean, yeah, it's going to get <laughs> wiped out. Yeah. And all of that ice that melted is going to settle. Flood. All over the world. So that's where you have the raising of this water. So you have all these areas that may have been exposed land that are now underwater. Yeah. So I look at, you have an island that could have been significantly big, like the size of, you know, Spain almost, that, you know, the depths could be way off. So this is me just guessing by looking at this map. Yeah. But if there's a lot less water in here, is there a ton more land? And this is perfectly situated for trade. At that time, with that, with their level of technology needing to stop to refuel, things like that, yeah. making a trip across the Atlantic from here all the way to the North Americas or even down to the Mediterranean, that's a long distance. This is like a halfway point. It would be perfect. Yeah. I mean, and I don't know that they were doing sea travel that far 9,000 years before Plato. That's kind of what I'm... That's kind of what I'm thinking is like, how would they, unless there was some place you could refuel along the way, maybe they go, you know, to the Azores area and then up towards, you know, Canada, and then you can work your way along the coast. Yeah. You know, it's not that far if you're going from here to here and then going down. But yeah, if you're going to go straight across with the technology at the time, you'd lose a ton of ships. Yeah. It'd be tough to do. No, I think, uh, I mean, it's an interesting theory. I don't know enough about it to really comment on it, but I'll definitely read about it it sounds interesting at the at the least it's a good theory and they <laughs> talk about there's like uh different areas in i think the carolinas yeah um that they look like debris impacts hmm. it's it's cool i don't know all the basics about it but if you look at like the i think it's called the carolina basins let's see if i can pull that up i so while you're doing that um i think the most plausible theory for me, uh, first of all, going on the assumption that Atlantis was a real place that Plato was talking about, I I honestly think it really is a fictional work. I don't think uh, <laughs> I, I don't think it was a, a real place. But I do think there is um, weight in the idea that you know Plato was either describing past events like the Black Sea flood. I mean, that sounds like a cataclysmic event in prehistory, you know, prehistoric times. Mm-hmm. Um, something that they would talk about for thousands of years. Because, I mean, w- think about back then, like, you have no understanding of geography other than, you know, the land near where you live, and you don't know about you don't know what earthquakes are. You don't yep. know what any of this stuff is. It yeah. just happens. And, you know, all this land is flooded now, you know, a very short period of time. That would freak you out. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think that, you know, in the same vein, the the story of the Minoa, Minoan civilization, can you look that up and see if we've been saying it wrong? Minoan? Minoan. M-I-N-O-A-N. <laughs> Because I'm like O for thirty if if oh well I don't think you can count the same word wrong multiple times as multiple errors I'm going Minoans. to Minoans Minoans yay hey. we got one right hey, hey. got the Minoans hey <laughs> so I think the I think the story of the Minoan civilization vanishing due to tsunamis and earthquakes and volcanoes um, and then they're in a weakened state because of that and then mainlanders from Greece attack them and take them over. Yeah. I think that is a plausible idea of where Plato may have gotten his idea about Atlantis. And it sounds like this uh, civilization was very advanced for its time. Um, you know, 4,000 years earlier than um, Plato. So, Well, and that's kind of how I look at it. It's like, how does a civilization advance? Like, how I look at that advancing is you're exposed to a lot of different cultures who are discovering new things. So if you're a trade hub, you're going to see new technologies that Mm -hmm. other civilizations figured out that other people haven't. So you're going to be able to basically capture 
the you know genius of every civilization in a, in the known world at that time and build upon those technologies so you'd be seen as like an advanced civilization of you you're implementing all of these things and that's again where I put it there so here I just pulled up if you're watching see all these yeah. things that look like little circles yeah those are apparently debris fields from the impact oh wow or that that's what they theorized cuz what they did was if you basically look at that like the oblong circles yeah and they all point to one area like, because they're all over the entire country. Yeah. And they all point to, like, an area here. Oh, interesting. So if something slammed into it and debris rained out everywhere. Yeah. There's, like, cataclysmic, like, it's almost kind of like we've always been looking too close. We had to zoom out a little bit to see the bigger picture. Yeah. So look, we, we, we might have to do an episode on the Younger Dryas <laughs> impact yeah. theory because it's really cool. And at a minimum, even if it doesn't explain Atlantis, yeah, it's a pretty strong theory for, like, why our – Earth looks the way it does. Yeah. And like what caused mass extinction events at the time, it lines up with a major mass extinction event. So interesting. Yeah. We, we don't have, have to, we don't have to go down that whole thing now. Cause yeah. I will. <laughs> yeah. I'll definitely have to do some more research on that, but it sounds yeah, interesting. For those listening, look up Randall Carlson. He's like in the heat of it right now. He might even, I think they talked about, he's going to the Azores to do some like research hmm. and discovery. Well, um, yeah. So I obviously, like I said, first and foremost, I, I do think, obviously, that um, Plato wrote, you know, kind of a a fictionalized version of maybe a real-life civilization or a cataclysmic event that happened to use that as inspiration for the city of Atlantis. Sure. Um, oh, you were saying Plato, correct? Plato. Plato. You're, you're good. Okay, good. <laughs> Gosh. Having a tough time with language tonight. <laughs> oh, before we go, can you look up what... The language linear A is. Oh, I yeah. when I researched this, I had no clue uh, what this was, and it intrigued me. Yeah, it sounds like uh, like a primitive. It sounds like a type of code, like like computer coding. So here we go. Let's oh. pull. I mean, that's what it's when you said linear A. I'm like, oh, is that like C plus plus or right. Java? <laughs> like, oh wow, look at that. Let's see. Let me make sure I'm still sharing my screen. Oh, I'm not. Hold on. Let me blow that up. Linear A. This is wild. Look at that. Interesting. So um, that, that, was, that actually tells us exactly where Atlantis is. I just can't I just get can't, the dialect. I can't yeah, read it. Yeah, it's, it's somewhere <laughs> in there. And I believe I mentioned that was, that was the language the Minoans used. Yep, Minoans of Crete. From so, 1800 to 1450 BC, that's uh, that's pretty cool. I I never. Have oh, it's superseded by Linear B. <laughs> it was like code. They upgraded it. Yeah, right. It just took a little longer. Yeah, a couple I'll thousand Linear years. B. What is Linear B? Like? Oh yeah, they have actual tablets of Linear B. And now it's uh, oh, it doesn't write in circles anymore. So now we've kind of gone in line. Perfect. They structured it. Yeah. No, nah, it's just, I love history. <laughs> it was unstructured language, then they added structure to it. That's it, really cool. This is this is really wild. It's really interesting, too, about, like, tech, you know, civilizations that have died off, like the Minoans, and think about Rome, the collapse of Rome. You had the Dark Ages. Yeah. Hundreds of years, or arguably, I mean, we're talking, like, the middle hundreds, up until, what, the Renaissance was the yeah. Dark Ages? where you human civilization pretty much went backwards. And it's just interesting how back in those times, you didn't have the internet, you didn't have, like, knowledge would literally get lost when people died. Yeah, or if a city was destroyed. Or if a city was destroyed. Like, yeah. um, what's the great library that was destroyed in uh, Alexandria. Times? Yeah. Yeah. Think of all the lost information in that city. It probably had the location of Atlantis. It like, probably did. It, like it probably, if it existed, it was probably there. There was probably a map of all the alien oh, bases. On absolutely, Earth. all of it. They the explained <laughs> Antarctica and how it was a landing site and all that. And other yeah, just think about. I, I love thinking about this kind of stuff about how, you know, after the fall of the Roman Empire, how long it took human civilization to just get back to where, like, the Romans were a thousand years earlier. Well, and you think about it, like. With the more advanced the civilization gets, the harder it is to erase that civilization. Yeah. Arguably, like they talk about now, it's like World War One was fought this way. World, you know, World War Two is fought with tanks and airplanes. 
World War Three will be fought with some ungodly weapon, and then World War Four will be fought with sticks and stones again. Yeah. And that's like, kind of, but that's kind of what they yeah. say is like we advance and either destroy ourselves or we have some sort of major impact that destroys us, and yeah. then whoever's left to survive, your main focus isn't going to be you know rebuilding the the main you know the Empire State Building because your therapist was there. Yeah. No, it's food and water. Yep. And you're going to have many generations of food and water, food and water, food and water. So you're going to lose, you know, the knowledge that, like, I don't know how to build a quantum computer. Do you? No. And if we're trying to fight for food, we're not going to teach our kids, oh, we had these quantum computers. Like, no, we need to kill the deer or we're going to die. And then all that knowledge will get lost. Yeah. And we'd have to rebuild up over time. Think about everything in your life. Like, whoever's listening, just look around you and look at, like... You've got your phone. Unless you're driving, just look forward. Yeah, look forward and drive. Unless you're in a Tesla, then you can put it on. No, still don't do that. (laughs) But think about everything around you, and do you know how to make an iPhone? Do you even know how it works? Do you know how a computer works? Do you know how to make a computer? Do you know how to make the food you may be eating? There's so many things in our lives now that we're so disconnected from how it may, how it's made, how it operates. Just imagine something. We have happened. it so good. Yeah, we, I mean, we have it so have good. You ever, ever heard people talk about how like they like romanticize how they wish they could go back and live in like medieval times? And I'm like, absolutely not. Yeah, it was a terrible is, time. Just disease and death, and like, yeah. un, like you see the movies and people are clean, yeah. and even like when they're dirty, no, they're clean. Average age, average lifespan was like 30 years. Yeah, because you were dirty and diseased it, all the time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it. Those, those cool wigs they wore, like, not even in medieval times and, like, Jefferson's time was because their hair was falling out because they were... Syphilis. Yeah, because they were diseased. <laughs> yeah. They didn't wear wigs because it was cool. is because they were so diseased they would lose their hair. Yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> the moral of that story is just be so thankful that you were born now and probably future generations, if we don't destroy ourselves, will be, like, happy they're alive then. Yeah. It'll be better than it is now. There's, and there's a saying like that. It's like, what's the best time to be alive right now? Right now. And the next best time <laughs> yeah. is tomorrow because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it keeps getting better. Like, I mean, I always, always would think like it would be so fun to go back to Rome for a day. Oh, yeah. To observe it. To observe it. Yeah. As long as could, I could come back. Yeah. <laughs> but then you'd come back and there'd be a history book of like some major advanced outbreak of some disease that wiped out half of Rome. And it was like you coughing on somebody or like <laughs> bringing back our super like bugs that they're not ready or, to handle or you go back in time for a day and you accidentally drop your iphone <laughs> and you come back to the future and it's like totally advanced way more than it was when you left <laughs> that would I, the other thing i always thought about and then we'll wrap this up because now we're just kind of going off on a tangent um i would like could, do you think you could do this here's a scenario okay there's a time machine okay and someone gives you a machine gun and a backpack full of ammunition. <laughs> could you take the could you take the civilization of Rome and be its ruler by the end of the day? Oh, absolutely, a hundred percent. I think if without we, even having to take a life. I think yeah. I think you would just show up in the middle of Rome and just pop around off into the sky, and yeah. they would be terrified. Oh, fire stick that shoots metal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, metal shooting fire stick. Yeah, I always thought like. Could you do that? Could you go back in time and just with like yeah, a backpack of ammunition and a machine gun take over an entire country? I think you could probably do it with your iPhone. You just just like play like like a game that you don't need internet for, right. <laughs> like, like Snake. <laughs> like download Snake and like move it with your finger. And yeah. they'll just be amazed or take their picture. That's you, it. You come back to the future. There's big like statue, ancient statues of you. Yeah, I would just I would just take video of people and tell them I have their soul in this device and they control it now. And if they yeah. do anything that wrongs me, they're gone. And then everyone would just listen. <laughs> well, uh, on that note, uh, we kind of went off on a tangent there, but that was a fun tangent. Um, this was a little different of an episode. We mix these in every once in a while. They're definitely yep. not the most popular, so we probably won't. Yeah, but it's our show and we can do whatever we want. Yeah, I enjoy it. So uh, I don't have anything else. You? No, I no. don't. Uh, just thanks again for tuning into our show. We appreciate all of you for listening and sharing Locations Unknown with your friends and family. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all the channels. Uh, we now You can subscribe to YouTube, so please do that. You can help us monetarily through there or just simply by watching the show on YouTube. We get some of the ad revenue from that, so that's helpful as well. You can also be a Patreon supporter and have access to any special Patreon episodes that we've already put out and the new ones that are going forward. 
in addition to we do uh, Zoom calls with patron supporters every now and then where we'll, we'll just kind of go off on random tangents. You can ask us questions. We'll learn about you as well and ask each other questions, and it's just always a great time. We have a ton of fun. Um, outside of all those things, if you want to buy some swag off our Facebook store or the store on our website, that would be awesome. You can support our show and be a walking billboard because people say, wow, <laughs> what a cool hat. What is Locations Unknown? And you can tell them all about it. Uh, and just remember when enjoying the beauty of nature, whether backpacking, camping, searching for Atlantis, always remember to leave no trace. Thanks, and we will see you all next time. <laughs>